And I'm going to start in verse 46 of verse 15. It says this, And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in linen, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just encourage us with your word this morning. Guide us. I pray that you remove every distraction. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What would you do if a woman went screaming in your backyard uh, in sheer terror? That's what happened to Andy and Jenny Smith this week, who are missionaries in Indonesia. And there was a 16-year-old girl named Otina who who died this past week in Indonesia. No one really knows why she died, um, but she was... uh, there was rumors that uh, afterwards that it was a demonic thing, that she was attacked in some way. And so they, they killed her, and we have a picture of them uh, making her coffin. That's just this week. And after that, this woman went screaming past the Smith's garden, yelling, thinking that she had seen a demon. And she was scared to death, totally shocked, and absolutely afraid. That's Indonesia. What do you do with your fear? The gospel accounts, and particularly this one, the the word fear comes up everywhere in the resurrection of counts. We we think we're way too sophisticated for that. We would not go running, screaming, probably, in someone's backyard out of sheer terror um, in in your neighborhood. You you just wouldn't probably do that. We're we're Americans. We're too sophisticated to that. So we just get on social media and, and scream about everything that we're afraid of to everybody. Maybe that's how you handle your fear. Or... For some of you, you, you don't get on social media and do that, but you, you just do, it just shouts in your head over and over again. This, these fears just shout in your head constantly over and over. Fears, just anxieties, frustrations, things that could be world-rocking to you. I've had three phone calls in my life that were world-rocking. Uh, I can tell you exactly where I was, what I was doing, And after I got off the phone, my world has never been the same. Some of you have had phone calls like that. Some of you have had more phone calls like that. And I am not naive enough to believe that I won't have more phone calls like that. That's the world that we live in. 
Zach Williams sings that fear is a liar. But is that true? Is fear really a liar? What is it that takes your breath? What stops your steps? What robs you from your rest? The women that came to the tomb were not expecting anything. They, were, they weren't expecting a resurrection. They were expecting to go and just to, to stay in the tomb. That, that's what they were expecting, to, to anoint this body. And that was all that they were expecting. And then they were afraid. And that's how it ends. The, 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 the Gospel of Mark, he ended it with this, they're afraid. What about you? What is it with your fears? What does the resurrection of Jesus have to say to your fear and to our fear? Jesus' resurrection speaks to fear. I mean, all through the Gospels, over and over, it's, it's, it's fear is everywhere. The, the, the first word that the angel said to the women, the women was addressing their greatest concern. I mean, they, they were afraid. And the first thing that he said to them was, don't be amazed. Don't be afraid. Why did he say that? Why, why is that the first word that we need to hear? Fear is unbelievably common to us. It's just, we may not want to admit it out loud, but fear is absolutely common to us in our culture, in our society, and more and more. It's absolutely, it's common. I mean, 300, over 365 times the Bible says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why does it say that so many times? Because what we spend most of, many, much of our time doing is being afraid. Just like these women, they're absolutely afraid. I mean, their world is absolutely rocked by that, but it's absolutely a common thing. It's, and he speaks into it. He says, fear is very common. The, the reason why there was fear is because fear is because of unmet expectations. I mean, if you are afraid of something this morning, or if there's something that's just been this gnawing fear for you, the reason you have that fear is because there is an expectation that wasn't met, or you are thinking an expectation isn't going to be met. That, that's what the situation with this, these women were. They came to the tomb, and all of a sudden, I mean, they, their minds are blown. The, the word amazed there, Mark's the only one to use it in the Greek, in, in, in his gospel, and it just means just basically their minds are blown. They, they are completely terrified, amazed, wowed by everything. They, they have, their world has been rocked. They walked into the tomb expecting to see one thing, and they, and they, expect, and they found something else. Because fear is also very complex. Fear likes to flatten everything out, doesn't it? I mean, fear basically says, if you're afraid, run. Hide or rage. Get angry. It just likes to flatten everything out. We're not that kind of people, though. We are much more complex people than that. Humans are much more complex, but fear just likes to flatten everything out for us and say, just run from it. Just, just freeze. Or just get angry about it. That's what fear likes to do. This is what this, these women are alarmed, though. It's very complex. I mean, they're wowed by what they just saw. It's an empty tomb. They don't know what's going on. They're experiencing very complex feelings. The Bible takes people very seriously. The Bible takes people and understands us very seriously. The Bible says in Proverbs that anxiety in a heart weighs a man down. It just, it, just, it just does this. It just weighs us down, which is very complex. We don't even fully know what that means. It's Proverbs eighteen thirteen says this, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Who can bear it? 
And we think we, under, what, what, what Proverbs is talking about is like, we think we can understand ourselves. You think that you can understand yourself. We can't. There may be all kinds of reasons why people are, you might be afraid of something. And you might be here this morning afraid and not even sure why you are afraid or why you feel that way. It could be a physical reason, it could be a relational reason, it could be a moral reason, it could be an emotional reason, and it could be almost this transcendent reason you don't even know. I know a guy who was in his 40s, was on vacation one day, it wasn't me, was on vacation one day, and got to his vacation place, beautiful spot, sat down, and he said he just started to cry on the steps, and he could not control it, and he had no, reason, he had no idea why. This is a tough guy. Humans are very, very complex. And the Bible says we're very complex, but fear just likes to make it all very flat for us. Proverbs 14 says, Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. And we, we think we know what that psalm means. That some people, you know, they put on a happy face, but deep down they're just really sad. That's not what that psalm means, that proverb means at all. What it means is that the, even in laughter, the heart aches for all of us. Why is it when you look at a picture from 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you see that picture, it's a great memory, and there's a part of you that says, ah, oh, those are good times. But then there's also a part of you that's sad because you know those, those times will never happen again. We feel that. We see that. We know that this afternoon when you gather with your family and with your friends, it's going to be a great time. But five years, ten for years, someone's going to die, and one day there's only going to be one of you left. We know that deep down. We don't like to think about it. But that, there's this deep longing of fear in us, which could be emotional, relational, but ultimately the greatest fear is death. And, and the Jesus' resurrection speaks to this. What, what we need is help with this. And what we realize is because we're all going to die, we need help outside of ourselves to, to, to have this happen. And we, more, we need more than inspiration. We need more than just some inspirational story to, to help us out. I mean, inspirational stories are good, but they're not enough. I mean, the Dumbo movie is inspirational, but elephants really can't fly. We need more than that. And we know we need more than that. And we know we need a person. You know it. You need a person to help you deal with your deepest fears, and, 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 and the world knows that. Time magazine, they put their cover out, and they always put a picture of somebody out there. Since January of 2019, just this year, the cover of Time magazine has, has had a picture of a person with this byline. Uh, one of them was, I, I helped create this mess, here's how to fix it. Another one was, the art of optimism, 34 people changing how we see the world. Or the other one was a picture of and the, the survivor, or the phenom, or the test case. And every one of those magazine covers had a human being, had a picture, and had a, had a byline that was trying to offer some hope. That no matter how messed up things are, here might be the person that can rescue us. Here could be the hero. Here might be the person that can help us with our fears in this culture, but, but none of them will work. But the, the resurrection of Jesus speaks to your fears and speaks to our fears because the resurrection of Jesus, if it's true, if Jesus' resurrection is true, then everything about him and what he said is true. 
And if his resurrection's true, and everything he said is true, then that changes everything for us. It, it is true. Jesus is alive, and the resurrection doesn't just speak into fear. The resurrection stories, they're scenes of facts. I mean, they're eyewitness accounts. They're, ri- they're written as eyewitnesses accounts, and it's very important that we understand that because 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says in verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If it's not true that Jesus is alive and rose from the, the dead, then nothing we're doing this morning absolutely matters. And your life doesn't matter. But, but deep, we're very complex people, and we know inside of us, every one of you believes that your, your life has significance. There, there's something about you that matters. You just know that. And that's why we struggle with these fears. But the resurrection is a scene of facts. I mean, the, the women were not expecting. The women were not expecting to come to an empty tomb. No one was expecting a resurrection. Nobody thought this was going to happen. They thought that the disciples might do something to his body, but nobody expected him to rise. And to, to tell the story, to, to, using the women back in that culture would not be the way to do it. The, the question of the empty tomb is... What happened to Jesus' body? What happened to Jesus' body? Because the angel says to him, he says, come see the place where they laid him. It's it's an offer of an an investigation. The the account of Jesus and the Gospels and the resurrection and Easter, it's supposed to be investigated. It's not just for an inspirational feeling for you. It's not not just a feel-good day. It's to be investigated and considered. So what happened to Jesus' body? Ever since the beginning of time, since since the death and since the resurrection, there's been, there's been theories about what happened to Jesus' body. Some people would say, they, they said, well, the women just went to the wrong tomb. They missed it. And as many jokes as people could make about women drivers and directions, that's not what happened here at all. The sun's already up. They saw where Jesus was buried. Plus, there was centurions in front of it. These were intelligent women. They knew where Jesus was buried. They knew where they were going. Well, someone would say, well, the, the, the disciples stole his, stole his bodies. The disciples of Jesus were the most fearful, weren't they? It was the women who came to the tomb. Where were all the men? Where, were, where was all the bravado, the tough guys? I'm going to follow you all the way to the end, Jesus. Where were they? Scared to death cowering. They left him, and Peter denied him. The men were not around. So you're going to tell me that, hey, these guys that were scared to death when Jesus was alive, all of a sudden, in less than 24 hours, they got a bunch of courage and said, hey, let's go, let's go take on some centurions, roll the stone away, and steal his body. I don't think so. That, that's, there's, there's no sign of that in the disciples at all, that they, they stole his body. Some would say, well, Joseph of Arimathea took his body. Why, why would he do that? He got permission to bury him in the first place. He was a part of those who wanted to kill him. If he wanted to, to do that, he could have done that. Or the authorities, they stole his body. Trying to mess with the disciples. Why, why would they do that? Because all they would have had to do when they saw the change in the people was say, here's his body. They never did that. The body of Jesus was never found. The dead body of Jesus was never found. Well, some people would say, well, it wasn't stolen, 
but there, there, was, there was, they call it the swoon theory. You know, Jesus was, just got beat up really bad, and, and he was kind of weak, but once he got into that cold cave, all of a sudden he came back to that's his, his energy, he had a power aid, and just boom, he, 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 he came out, and he swooned back to life, and he rolled the big stone away, as if he didn't die. Roman crucifixion was so cruel and so hideous, and Jesus' body was so marred. All scholars believe that a man Jesus lived and a man Jesus died. Romans themselves said of crucifixion that they pitied the victims. There's no way anyone would go through a Roman crucifixion and not be dead. So the idea that Jesus wasn't dead doesn't make sense. And the reason this is important is because the angels said to Mary, who were afraid, come see the place where they laid him. Come investigate it. Come check it out and see if it's true. Some of you this morning, you might just be here today. You might not be fully convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. And I would just encourage you to investigate it. Many people have, many scientists have, Frank Morrison, Robert Boyle, William Phillips, Ian Hutchinson, Sir Edward Clark, Lee Strobel, a Chicago Tribune atheist, Josh McDowell, an atheist, Simon Greenleaf, the founder of Harvard University, complete atheist, didn't believe it. He was the one who created the, 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 the textbook on how to do investigations in courts. His students challenged him to say, hey, check the, resurrec the resurrection. He, he did. He tried to prove it wrong, and he came out believing it. Investigate it. If you're here this morning and you're not sure that Jesus really rose from the dead, do yourself a favor. Check it out yourself. Prove it to be untrue. See if it's not true. At the back table, we have a few books called The Case for Easter. They're, they're free for you if you want to check it out and investigate it. Jesus' resurrection is a scene of facts for a purpose. There's a deeper purpose for it. The, the purpose of Jesus' resurrection is so that you'll flourish. So that your, your life will be whole. So that you can be the person that you were created to be. The disciples, the angel saw these women scared to death. He said, come investigate the empty tomb. Check it out. And then he said to them, go. Go and tell. And, and go tell Peter. David Brooks is, writes articles for the Washington Times and the New York Post and the New York Times, and he wrote an article a couple months ago called A Nation of Weavers, and he's just talking about we live in an age of fear and frustration and anxiety, and people are struggling, and he says what people need is, is weavers, people to, to bring them together, and he says there's, that's happening in certain parts of the world and parts of our country, but it's not happening all around, but people know they're broken, and there was a quote in that article from an after-school program leader in Houston, and, and he said this, he goes, I am broken. And I need others to survive. And that's what the angel's trying to tell them. If you're going to flourish in your life, you have to have somebody else to help you. We all know this. Deep down, we can't do this on our own. We need a person to help us. 
And we need the right person to help us because we all deep down are broken. And the angel said to the women, go tell Peter. Why did he say Peter? Of all of Jesus' disciples, he's the most broken, wasn't he? Fear is, fear wants to say it's not personal. But the focus of Jesus' resurrection is for you. It's very personal. Peter was mentioned. He says, go tell Peter. I mean, Peter had, had massively blown it in every possible way as a follower of Jesus. He, he'd blown it, blown it morally. He denied him. He swore up and down. He didn't know him. He, he denied him spiritually. I mean, Peter had failed. He was wrapped up in utter fear. As, as Peter's life in the last few days of Jesus was just total fear and frustration and anxiety. And the angel comes and he says, go tell Peter. Because Jesus' resurrection is very personal for you. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how far you may feel that you've blown it, you've messed up in your life. You think there's no hope for me, this Jesus thing, if, even if it was true. You don't know how far I've fallen. You don't know how deeply my thoughts against God have been. It doesn't matter. You have not fallen so far away from God that Jesus' resurrection isn't here saying, come, I'll help you flourish. The focus is very personal, and the focus is very possible. Your flourishing is possible. I mean, this is, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Easter. The Bible says that we, we had a problem. We, we are sinners. We, we didn't follow God's way. We, we broke and went our own way. It hasn't worked out for us. We struggle for fear because we went our own way and, and wanted to do our own thing instead of living the life that God created us to be so that we would flourish. And we don't flourish like we were meant to. But God loved us so much and he loves you so much that he sent himself, and Jesus came to earth to live the life we could not and would not live left to ourselves, and he went to the cross to die for our sins. And by his death, our sins are, can be forgiven. Listen, listen, as if I'm talking just to you. The blood of Christ was shed for you. It was shed for you, not against you. Jesus went to the cross for you. So it means because of that, you can have hope. We can be forgiven. And when Jesus said it's finished, we don't have to work our way to God. It's what Jesus did for us. The resurrection says it's done. Everything that you need to have your life flourish is found in Jesus Christ. And it was finished by Jesus Christ. You don't need to do anything else. It's a free gift of grace. If you will see it, and if you will receive it, Jesus' resurrection is, is for you. So you'll flourish, and it's very present. Because listen, even 2,000 years later, fear is very present. He ends it with this. He says, and, and they went out and fled from the tomb after seeing all these things, and for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing, for they were afraid. And it kind of stops. What happens next? What are they going to do? What are you going to do? What will you do with Jesus, what will you do with your fear? What will you do with your anxieties and your frustrations? Fear wants to stall faith. 
And there's two ways it can stall you this morning. For some of you, you, you can be, oh, I, I, I kind of like this. I, I'm not really sure. I, I kind of like this Jesus thing. I, I wish it was true. I hope it's true. I wonder if it's true. And your faith can stall because you will, you will seek but not find. There's a lot of people today, they just, they just, they, they're into spirituality. They want to seek. They, they like to seek things, but they're, they're not going to find. They don't want to find yet. They're not going to land. For your faith, you're going to have to land your faith someplace. You, you, you think, well, maybe if I, if, I don't, if, I, if I seek here, what if I miss something? What, what, if, what if I miss it? Your faith will flourish, and fear will overcome you. If you don't learn, if you just seek but don't find. And another way fear can stall faith is you you have this spark but no ignition. You you like to come to church. You enjoy listening to good podcasts and Christian music and radio. And it it, it, it picks you up. You get excited. You feel good. There's a spark to you. It kind of lifts your head up. You you spark for a while, but there's no ignition. That's it. it. It doesn't move into trust and dependence on God. Because you're afraid. And it holds you back. For fear and trembling and astonishment seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. What what are they going to do? What are you going to do? What's the way forward? Maybe this morning, you would like to believe that Jesus did rise from the dead. Maybe you would really want to believe it, but you're not fully there yet. I would just encourage you to to request. Take that desire and request and say, God, if this is true, show me. Just ask God. Ask God, if Jesus is alive and rose from the dead, then show it to me. Let me investigate it and request it and, and, and examine Scripture. Maybe you're here this morning and you know your life's been filled with fear. You've been consumed with it. And you hear what Jesus says. And, and, you, and you recognize that that's you. You're broken because of a lot of your own brokenness. And your fears are because of a lot of your own sins and failures. And there was somebody who took them for you and you would say, I would love that. I'd love to be forgiven. I'd love to, to, to start over again. Then this morning I would just say to you, just respond to that. Just say, Jesus, I see who you are. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you loved me and gave yourself for me. I want you in my life. And just ask him. Say, God, take me. I I believe. And respond in faith. He has great love for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus. But you still struggle with fear. And it can sometimes cripple you. And it can sometimes consume you. My way forward to you is just just to reach, to reach out. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Just keep doing it. We live in a broken world that's going to continually bring us burdens. And it's a continual casting, continually casting. Cast all your cares on you because he, he cares for you. How do you know Jesus cares for you. How do you know God's for you and not against you? Because he came. He took on human flesh. He lived on this earth. He felt everything that we felt. And he went to the cross, an innocent man. 
And on him all sin was put so that we could have hope. And so when you think, I don't know if God's for me. Is he going to get me through this one? Is he going to let me down this time? No. He'll never let you down. Because he conquered death, he conquered the grave, and Jesus is alive. So reach out, cast your cares on him. Fear is a liar. Jesus really is alive. Christ has risen. So look up, rejoice, keep looking. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Oh, shame is a prison As cruel as a grave Shame is a robber and he's come to take my name. Love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. Love is the power where my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave. Hold my body down. Hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down With a smooth and velvet tongue Oh, fear is a tyrant It's always telling me to run And love is a resurrection Love is a trumpet sound Oh, love is my weapon I'm gonna take my giants down There ain't no grave
a battle, a war between death and life. And there on the tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. And he went on down to hell, and he took back every key. He rose up as a lion, and he set the captive free. There ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. There ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound. If you walk out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walk out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walk out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walk out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walk down the grave, I'm walking too. If you walk down of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walk down of the grave, I'm walking too. Can hold his body down. down. 